Well, it's exciting. This is a message that I've, I've been looking forward to because God's put it on our hearts to exalt and, and lift up Jesus. That's, that's the um, core of what we do and that's who we are. So um, I just felt for us to spend a few weeks with this particular topic. Oh, if we put the, um, the slide up. Why Jesus is so awesome. You know, not what is Jesus so awesome. No, I'm preaching to the choir. I get that. Do you know what I mean? I'm not having to convince you guys. This is not an apologetics. Oh, you know, you're looking at me and say, prove it. Just, you're just like, yeah. Yeah, I know he's awesome. So this is not a series that's it's going to say, listen, if you aren't sure, we'll, we'll enter into a debate and I'll give all the reasons. It's going to be from the point of view that I'm preaching to those that love Jesus, have already experienced him and know that he's awesome. But this is just to expand and for you, us to understand just why he is so awesome. To stop and think about maybe some sections and some stretch our understanding of how awesome he is so that we can better appreciate him, better love him, better minister his life to those around us. So that is my aim. My aim is for us to look and just stop and, stop and think about that. Why is Jesus so awesome? What makes him so awesome? And even, you know, so I, I've been looking at, you know, what the word awesome actually means. What does it mean to be awesome? You know, like we, we've tended to go through phases in the English language where words that mean something are then given a secondary meaning and then we've got language now that I don't even understand. Um, how many? How many appreciate that? You know, if you're a teenager, or now not his Jay's just turned 21, and he'll say something like, "Yeah, I know, I know it means something, but I'm not sure whether that person's good or bad." But you've just <laughs> given them a label. If I gave them that label when I was growing up, that would be bad. But now I'm assuming that means good because you're talking about a person you actually like and you're giving them the same label. I won't use the words because I might confuse people what I'm actually saying. Um, but it, it, words change. And the word awesome is one of that, isn't it? You know, like when, years ago, the word awesome was for things that would fill you with awe. Now it's like, oh, awesome. Everything, you know. We've got, we've got a front row seat of the, you know. Oh, awesome. <laughs> I found petrol for 20 cents less. Awesome. <laughs> That is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is awesome. But it just shows that the bar for awesome has got pretty low. Right? You know, what used to be full of awe is now just, that's really good. And I appreciate that and I like that. Um, but awesome is probably not the right word for that. But we've, made, we've, we've dumbed it down. And the problem is because we've brought it down low, what word do we use for God? And if you tend to use the same word, it just gets lost a little bit in the meaning. Now, I understand that's how word language, you know, we, we talk about love. We, you know, we say, I, I, love, I love ice cream. I, you know, I love my dog. I love my wife. And it's like, hang on a second. Just try and explain that to an alien. You know, she, she's in the same category as dogs and ice cream. No, she's not in the same category. We use the same word. Yes, I did. But when I use that word, I just had a different meaning every time. I understand that's how language works and you're smart enough to realise that, not think that I love Christine in the same way I love ice cream. You understand that, you know, this, just, you just know it. And I really do feel sorry for people trying to learn English as a second language sometimes because some of the little rules that we have that we don't even know are rules just would confuse people no end. And don't even get me on spelling, you know, like 
how you can work you know, the English language out. There are some people who English is their first language and they still struggle <laughs> with, with the, um, the English language. So awesome, the whole concept of awe. To, it, it's something, it fills you with wonder. It fills you with a, a sense of the, the grandness and the majesty, the, the vastness of it. It's the sense of there's a, there's a fear aspect. You know, it's just so awesome. It even makes you a little bit scared, or, you know, and, and that, that, that's, that's, that's in the concept of awesome. It's too big for me. It's overwhelming me at times. It's so great. Now, we've got this amazing, amazing relationship where God is awesome and yet he's called us in to be his sons and he's put the spirit of his son in our hearts so that we can actually say, Abba, our dear father. So we, we have this, he is awesome and he has that fear component, but he's taken the fear out of it for us. There's the holy fear. There's the holy reverential understanding of how great and powerful he is, but not the cowering fear, not the concerned about, I don't think I can even come into his presence fear. That's been all removed. We have, it says we, perfect love has cast out that fear. You know, we just have boldly come into his throne and we have bold confidence about our eternity because the perfect love that we have encountered with God has removed that aspect. But it's still part of the awesomeness. I, I don't want God to not be that awesome that he, you know, and you, and you read certain aspects of, um, of, the, of when he revealed himself and, and, the, and the power of God. And I think even of Jesus, even though he has that sense where he's, he's, he's removed that so that we can come boldly and we can call him friend. You know, one of the most amazing scriptures is, um, well, let's actually look there. John chapter 15. Let's start there. John 15. Jesus, as he's about to go to the to cross, he is speaking this, um, this teaching about the whole purpose and why he came, that he's the way, the truth, the life. He leads into his high priestly prayer in John 17. But in John chapter 15, um, you know, verse 13, he says, Great love has has no one than this, the one that lays down his life for his friends. Jesus, I'm going to lay my life down, but not, I'm not doing it for my enemies. I'm calling you friends. I'm doing it. He said, you are my friends, verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer, verse 15, do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. I've called you. He says, I, I have changed the relationship. You should just be pure slaves, servants. You should come down and bow and acknowledge God. But he said, I've lifted you up and I've not treating and calling you servants. I'm calling you friends. And I'm revealing and showing you things that a servant would never hear about. I'm talking about things that I can show you from my heart. It's like when God walked with Abraham, it says, you know, should we hold back from Abraham what we're going to do? Because we're, we're in a friendship, we're in covenant. I'm going to share with him. Whereas you don't have to explain to your servant what you're doing. Just tell them what to do and they just have to do it. They don't have to know why they're doing it. Just, you know, go and get the car and bring it around to the, you know, the front driveway. They don't say, oh, why? Where are you going? You'd say, 
excuse me. I just said, bring it around. You know, oh, where are we going? Oh, can, can I come? You know, we're going, going, oh. you're the servant. I don't, I don't, I don't go into my de- the details. Um, and Jesus said, I, that's not the relationship. I've changed the relationship. You're now friends. I talk to you about what we're doing. I connect. Now, there's an element where we still serve and love God. Paul talked about, says, you know, the, himself as being the servant or the slave. There's a, there's a good English mix-up word. The, the word that um, is used in the Greek really has no English equivalent. You know, we use the word slave. We think of people in shackles with a whip, you know, being horribly treated, being um, kidnapped, forced into slavery. That's, that's the, so when I say slave, that's the picture I have. When I say servant, I think of someone that I hire to work for me. They'll be my servant for eight hours and they'll go, I'll be home and you know, they'll be normal people. Well, the Old, Test- the Old Testament and New Testament didn't have, that was, you know, there was that kidnapping slavery, but that was not the slavery they were talking about here. It's, it's something much more intertwined. It's a person who was a life of serving, but they actually were the full responsibility. So not only did you serve me, but I was responsible for you and your family, and I housed you, and I cared for you, and I, you were part of my household. I was responsible for you. So when you were a slave, it meant that you didn't go home because this was your home. And um, some slaves were only slaves at a certain time, but then after the end, they would say, oh, I, don't want, I don't want to go home. I, you provide a nicer home for my family than I could ever do. You provide more security. We're safer here because you protect us. There's food on the table. I don't want to leave. And they would go through a, a thing where they said, this ex- I just want it permanent. That's, so that's the concept of slavery. I just want to mention that because sometimes people say, we're slaves of Jesus. It conjures up all the wrong images. All right? So, but he would... It's not that we don't have that relationship where we serve him, but we're not doing it as servants. We're doing it as sons. We're sons in the household. And that's the purpose that Jesus wanted to do, to connect us to him. And he said, you are my friends. No longer do I call you slaves. For the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. He's brought... So his awesomeness, and we see him in his awesome power, doesn't come from just a relationship where we're just fearfully of him or bowing. But we're friends. But we don't lose sight of the fact that he is actually awesome. And you get that from John when he got the revelation on the Isle of Patmos and Jesus in the first part of Revelation appears to him. This is Jesus who John had walked with, talked with. When they were having the Passover meal, it says John was leaning up against Jesus. They were right close there. They they were in a very, they were best friends, as well as the relationship of you're the son of God and I'm your disciple. But they, they had that closeness. And yet when Jesus appeared to him in all his glory, what did John do? He fell down and he was just undone by the, 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 the fullness of the glory of Jesus. The blazing eyes, the, the shining light, the, the, he was just overwhelmed. So even though I am a friend of Jesus and I want to be connected to Jesus and be able to talk to him and and have that relationship, I've got to remember he's actually pretty awesome. (laughs) Yeah, my Jesus, my friend is pretty awesome. And um, there's a message I preached for you. I'm with him. 
Yeah, I'm with him. Yeah, this is, this is, I'm with him. You know, I'm with him. And um, so what makes Jesus so awesome? What makes someone so awesome? In the the 1930s in America, um, they were going through, you know, uncertain times. Things were happening in Europe. The war, by 1938, the war is just on the edge. Austria has been annexed and, you know, people are tense. People are upset. And so people are looking for heroes. They're looking for people that can, you know, they can look to and admire. and, And who knows who appeared in 1938 on what was back then called Detective Comics. Okay, Detective Comics went on just to be called DC. That's a clue for you. Dick Tracy, yeah, he would have been a detective, but they branched out. They were doing a lot of detective stuff, but then they branched into a brand new sort of era. They tried some science fiction stuff. Jay's doing cartwheels at the back, trying to get my attention. Who in 1938, Jay? Superman hit the, and um, yeah, he wasn't a detective. No, he was, and that's why they eventually just stopped calling detective comics and made it DC because they were doing more superhero stuff than they were doing detective stuff. So they'd done a transition, and um, gee, and even Superman had gone. He'd, he'd been in a few comics as Super Space Man, you know, and he had rocket things on his back, and it was more science fiction. That didn't really work. So, they, you know, they went through a few things and eventually he appeared as Superman, alias Clark Kent. And um, did you notice that his, his costume was red, white and blue? <laughs> and then there was another person came out very similar time, about 1942, called Captain America <laughs> on the, on the, on the old, from the Marvel Stream. So they brought out Captain, uh, Captain America and you got Superman. Superman was also very American. You know, you, you just got to think about it. He was like the American. It's like wearing the American flag. All right? And that's on purpose. They were wanting something to unite them. and to, they, they were scared. They were concerned. They were worried. And here comes this super man who fights for justice. But I can't remember what his phrase is. Justice and... Something and something. Peace, justice, and the American way. That's it. Okay, now just think about how patriotic that was. You know, he's, he comes from another planet and he fights for the Americans. <laughs> Hang on a second. What about the rest of us? Peace, justice, and the American way. And he sets up his base in Metropolis, um, a fictional city where he takes on the alias. Do you know um, Superman was created by two Jewish men? Um, You'll find that some of his early stories, he was fighting, because at the time Hitler was raging. They actually had Superman, you can see a picture grabbing, I think it was Hitler by the throat. So they intertwined these things. They were fighting anti-Semitism. Superman was. So he was was a good guy. And... um, so they had him during the day, he's a reporter. He puts on glasses. It's like, where's our pastor gone? <laughs> I'm still here. I'm still here, everybody. What have you done with our pastor? <laughs> you know, the ultimate disguise. I think it's just amazing, though. 
Where's that other guy gone with the glasses? That's the craziest disguise ever, isn't it? You know what I mean? You know, people put glasses on all the time and often you still know who they are. But he puts glasses on and says, oh. No one even thinks, you look a bit like. So, um, but he, he, okay. But he was super. He was designed, he was designed to create awe, to be awesome. He had all these powers. He could fly. He could have super strength. He could be hit by bullets and not be moved. He could shoot lasers out of his eyes. He could, I forgot about this one, but he could breathe and cause ice out of his breath. I've met people like that. <laughs> I've met them both, those with laser eyes and breath. <laughs> um, but he was like meant to be awesome. He was meant to be so... And, and he championed truth and justice, and he'd get. But then, during the day, he would um, just be working as a reporter. I'm guessing he worked as a reporter because then he'd get the news feed and he would know where the crime was. And then I think that was why. So as a reporter, he would hear about things, and then he would be able to run into a phone booth, come out as Superman, go down there, defeat the baddies, run back into the phone booth, come back out as Clark Kent. And say, oh, it's a bit late. Where? Where's you know? People never worked out, they were never in the same room together. People have never seen me and Superman in the same place together too. Just, just, <laughs> just think about that. Have you ever seen me and Superman in the same room? Might be a reason. Um, he's awesome. They, they created an awesome because they needed hope. They, they were needing something to give their attention and focus on. But I can tell you something about as awesome as Superman is, he's really not awesome at all, is he? He's not, you know, the, the one thing that makes him super non-awesome, and even now if we go to the movies, you go to, we, we go and you know, the, the whole universe of superheroes is like it's huge. And you go and, and, you, and you know, I'll, just, I'll trigger a few people, you know, you've got Thor fighting Superman and... People are like, what's wrong with that? They shouldn't be in the same movie because they don't exist together. In the minds of people, that's the thing. As awesome as they are, they're not awesome in any way at all. You know why? Because they're not real. They're actually not real. I'm sorry. It's like Santa Claus, Superman, the King of England. <laughs> President of the United States. You know, these people are just fictional. <laughs> Puppets. Holograms. No. Well, what's the difference between a real and fictional? Is like, fictional has got no power. Like, it's got power for people's minds. And they can make you do things and wonder things. In it, but they've actually got no power in themselves. I'll tell you the first reason Jesus is so awesome. It's because he's real. He's real. He's not our imaginary God. You know, some people said, you know, they, they hate when religions fight because it's, you know, my imaginary friend is more powerful than your imaginary friend. That's how they think religion is. Well, I'm going to say right, right front, my God is real. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That's what, actually, it, it, and it's actually really important. 
the reason he's so awesome is because he's actually real. Um, I've seen a couple of movies, um, things like um, a Mission Impossible movie. I can't remember which one. You know, I've seen the latest one with a guy called Ethan Hunt. He's amazing, awesome. You know, jumps off helicopters, does it all, saves the world in the last minute. They're wonderful stories. But then I saw a movie called Hacksaw Ridge. Did anyone see that? Make you cry and get shaken all. But then I, I checked up. It's a true, based on a true story. It's obviously, you know, it takes license as a movie. But I realized looking at his true life, the movie didn't tell you near the truth. It was, they played it down. There was way more. The movie was very short. And I actually just read just recently again the, um, you can just go on and search it on the internet. And you can find when he, he, got, he got awards, he got a medal, and they read out the reason for his medal. Now, this is not journalism of making stuff. This is actually, they have to, the reason you get a medal has been well-researched, has been well-testified. They get witnesses. They get everybody. You don't get a medal because they like you. You get a medal because you have done something very particular. And the reason he got the medal reads like it's way, way bigger than a Mission Impossible. It was like, what? What? But the fact that it really happened takes it to a new level. Yeah. It's not just someone's fiction. You know, because fiction, you know, the trouble with Superman is if you stop and think about it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. I just had this thought, why in the world is he pretending to be a journalist sitting at his desk typing when he could be saving people from disasters anywhere? <laughs> What's he doing behind a desk? could be flying to another city and rescuing people. But no, where was Superman? Oh, we're working on a story about sidewalks being cracked. In the... Doesn't make sense because he's not real. It doesn't make sense. You can't look, you can't dig too deep. You can't try and explore the back history because there is really no back history unless people make up back history. There's nothing real. The, the reason Jesus is so awesome is you can dig and scratch and ask questions and ask why he did this and say, why would he do that? And you can find out why because there's something behind it and it's real. It's there. It's for us to push into and understand why did Jesus just go to Jerusalem? Why didn't he walk around? Why did he just minister for three years? Why? There's reasons for it and you can dig in. And it's not just imaginations. It's someone who's been led by the Spirit and he's been directed by God. And he, why didn't he heal that person? Why did he do that? You can dig in and ask, why did he come down? Did he, would God really, the creator of the heavens and the earth, would he really come to earth and become a man? Yes, he did. And you can push into that because it's not my theory against your theory. It's not my, you know, you, know, you, can, you can argue, you know, is Superman the better superhero than Captain America? And people have these sorts of arguments. Who's stronger, Thor or Superman? And they're ridiculous. Sort of, you know. What, and, and they can, they can. Have you ever, has anyone here ever been in that debate? Who's the better superhero, you know? Yeah, we've got some hands up here. And <laughs> I noticed the hand went up, but the head went down, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, we've had that debate. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 15. 
God's happy for these debates, actually. He says, let's bring it on. Let's have the debate. Who's the most awesome? Exodus 15, verse 11, they're singing a song. Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders? Who can compare to you? Let's compare you to the gods. Bring it on. Bring it on. Let's make these comparisons. You know, there's a part in our world where we, we, we're not allowed to make comparisons because it's criticizing other people's beliefs. God says, bring it on. I don't want to be, I don't want to be compared with Superman, Batman, and, and, and Thor, and, and the Hulk to see who's the, most, who's the strongest. He said, they're all fictional. I'll tell you, I'm stronger than all of them because I'm real. Amen. <laughs> I'm actually a God. I'm actually the God. I'm the one and only God. I am him, and I'm happy to push hard against anybody. And we should have that sort of boldness because Jesus is awesome, and no one else is. None of the other gods are awesome. None of the other gods are awesome because they're either fictional, imagined beings, or they're, they're just people that have been elevated and given the title and people look at them, but they're just man. They're not really a god. But, have, you know, sometimes, oh, how far can you say these things? You know, you, you, you've sort of got the Buddhism and Hinduism, one where Buddhism actually doesn't... Did you know Buddhism doesn't believe in God? There is no God in Buddhism. Some people say, oh, well, I'd say Buddha is God. No, he's not. He never, he never said to be God. In fact, some people, don't want to, some people do not want to classify Buddhism as a religion because their belief is there is no God. The whole purpose is just to find inner peace, the nirvana. They go inward and find this inner place of... And the first one who really pushed it became known as the Buddha, the enlightened one. And so it's just referred to a man. And he's just a man. He is just a man. He's not awesome. He had ideas. Those ideas have caught on, but he's just a man. Jesus is God. Amen. He really is God. He's true God. And then they have Hinduism. So you've got Buddhism with no gods. Hinduism with there's gods everywhere. There's more gods than people. Well, still the same. They're all fake. They're all not true. And in our society, it's like, you can't say that. Yes, you can. Because our God alone is awesome. Amen. He is real. Because he's not what I think. It's not what you think. It's what he is. And that's the key to it all. He is real. He is God. He did leave heaven. And he did come to earth. And he walked amongst us. And this, there comes a point where this reality is not even a matter of belief. This, this, Jesus doesn't become real because I believe in him. You know, the, King Charles does not exist because I believe in him, and he doesn't disappear if I don't believe in him. Some people. <laughs> you can, it, it, it's just because he is. Now, if you don't believe in him, it can change the way you respond and live in this world. You know, if you don't believe there's a police force and don't believe there are any laws, you could live a certain way. But the reality is, it, it can only go so far. 
before reality will conflict with your belief system. Um, so Jesus is real. And that's even got this natural understanding. There's, Jesus really did live 2,000 years ago. He lived in Jerusalem and in Israel. He's, there's so much documentary evidence. In fact, oh, Chris, is, can you just pass me one of Cam's books there? Like I said, I'm not going to do the apologetics of it because we've got an amazing access to apologetics. So this, is, this is Cam, son-in-law Cam, who led our praise and worship. Uh, sorry? That's not him on the cover. Yeah, he, the one on the cover. Cam is... Take off your glasses, Cam. Let's check. You know. <laughs> no, that's Jesus, a picture of Jesus. It's not actually... We don't really know what Jesus is like because they lost all the photos. Someone didn't put film in the camera. I was just like... Um, you know, this is an imagination. All right. Um, Cam wrote a book called Did Jesus Really? Answering the five most common questions about Jesus. Did Jesus really exist? Did Jesus really claim to be God? Did he really perform miracles? Did he really fulfill prophecies? Did he really, Jesus really rise from the dead? Yes. That's a great book. Really well, really, really well, well yeah. researched and written. Um, if you, I, I, I encourage people to read that because you might be sold. You know, I'm already the, I'm, I'm the choir. I know Jesus is exists. I know he's awesome. But that can give you the confidence to be able to speak to people who don't necessarily believe and know, not trying to convince them academically, but having the confidence to know this stuff stacks up. This stuff stacks up. In fact, that's why the ministry is called Confident Faith. So we can have confidence. So we can come and know that he is awesome. So Jesus is real. Let me just list some things from my heart that make that real. Turn to Colossians. Colossians chapter 2, um, verse 16 and 17. Give me time, let's bring that up. All right. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Next verse. Things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. These things, you know, people arguing and talking, should we do this, shouldn't we do this? And they're talking in the sense of, relig of a religious duty. If we do this, this is how we will get close to God. If we do this, this is how we can... If I don't eat this food, that will make me close to God. And if I, don't, if I observe this day, this will make me close to God. And I'll get approval with God if I do this. And he says, you know, they're all shadow stuff. In fact, if you look at the Old Testament, all, the, all those sorts of rules are actually pointing towards something. 
They were actually a reflection of something which was of substance. You see a shadow, it gives you the image, but the shadow is nothing. You can't grab the shadow. You can't do it. And the world tends to live in shadows, things that are constantly trying to grasp and live and do. But it's best to find the real. And Paul said, you know who the real is? Jesus. Jesus is actually the substance. Jesus is the reality. And one of the most powerful verses had a huge impact on my life, which it, seemed, it probably seems strange. Verse 23. This verse triggered something in me. And it will need explaining why. These are matters which have to be sure the appearance of wisdom. You know, these shadows might look wise. And self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body. But are of no value against fleshly indulgence. Why did that strike me? Is because chasing shadows actually gives you no power over the real problem, which is your damaged spirit and your broken spirit and your fleshly lusts. You can do it all, but you're still a sinful man. You can try all these systems and try all this, but you cannot deal with the heart of the problem. Inferred in this is that the substance, the real Jesus, is the only one which is value, has value, against the problems inside. Jesus is real help for the, the deepest issues we face. Jesus is real. He really existed. He really came down from heaven. He was really born of a virgin. His, his mother was a virgin. That is just miraculous. He really lived. He really was baptized in water. He really did go under real water and was raised up. He really did have the Holy Spirit come on him and they saw it like a dove descending on him. He really did have his father speak out of heaven. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. He really did draw to himself 12 core um, disciples and then others that followed him. He really did do miracles, real miracles, where people were tested. And he said to them at one stage, go and show yourself to the priest when he has healed them from leprosy, that you, they might, you might go and, and be tested, be seen, be demonstrated. This is not just something where... You know, some people do miracles and they don't want you to test it too much because it's like, you know, just, just get you up, let's all clap and send you off before we can really check what's happened, you know. But this is Jesus very happy. Scrutinize it. Look at it. It's a real miracle. It's really done. Miracles, he really did. You know, there's a great chapter in, did Jesus really perform miracles? Because that, that question, if you answer that question, well, if he did, how did he perform miracles? How did are miracles real? In our world of science, we, we, we're sort of trapped. Everything must, in our world, have a natural explanation. Everything must be. You know. Have you noticed in, in a lot of movies nowadays, when they do um, seemingly super amazing things, they, they give scientific sort of explanations behind it. Like they show atoms changing and doing things. You know, they, they make up stuff. They just make up science. But it's like in the past, people would just, oh, it's just, you know, he can fly. Now 
we've got to sort of feel that, oh, there's actually a real scientific reason and they're just... They're, they're connected. Because we've sort of been made to, to understand everything can be explained. Everything can be explained. Well, some, not by this natural world can you explain God. And the miracles are moving outside of that natural realm. There's no reason, there's no plausible reason, there's no actual reason except that God is alive and God's power has intervened. And he's the creator of the heavens and the earth and he can work supernaturally. The heavens are superior to the earth. The, the earth exists out of the heavens. This is, this is, you know, the world we touch and feel and has come out of the spiritual realm. Science has no room for the spiritual realm. There is no spiritual realm. That's why they, they, they give there the theory of we just evolved, we just go back, 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 we must have been blobs, we must have been you know, single point cells, we must have been a singularity 13 billion years ago in the middle of nothingness. And how did that get there? It just was there. And they say, you just got to believe. Oh, I thought you were scientists. But they can't. They say, well, we, one day we'll understand. How's that going for you? Um, <laughs> oh, seriously, the more, they, the more they study, the more it more doesn't fit a lot of the, what they're trying to do. What I'm saying is our world has no room for a spiritual existence unless they can explain it away from the natural, but it's not going to be explainable away. Jesus did real miracles. He really did. He, wrote, he died on the cross. He really died on a real cross. He had real nails driven into his hands. He shed real blood. He provided a real sacrifice for the propitiation, the, 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 the fulfillment, the satisfaction of our sins was provided by him. He fulfilled multiple prophecies that declared this is what he's going to do. And Isaiah 53 being one of the key ones. He is the lamb. He's the one. He's taken away the sins of the world. He really rose from the dead. He really exalt, uh, ascended into heaven. He really is seated on the, at the right hand of the Father. He really exists today. And this is where it becomes very real. Because I have discovered the real value in what he's done in me. Because he's real. I did not get shadow help. I got real help. Because I looked at this verse and it was like, there is real help. I am not to... Um, I, it started because um, I, I, went, I was in a doctor's surgery and there was um, a little brochure, how to give up smoking. Now, this might become as a bit of a shock to you, but I've never smoked in my life. <laughs> so why did I get that brochure? Because that brochure was—you could almost rebadge it and put, you know, put it in a church Bible study on five things to do to stop sinning. Does this make sense? They were not bad things. They were just how to reshape your life so that you did lived a different way. And I looked at that and I studied that and I said, God. If we can't offer something better than this, we're, we're dealing in the shadow world. Because you can do this without God. Does that make sense? 
I'm like, God, am I offering them the Christian version of these five points? This verse says, no, no, he says he is actually able to deal with it at a core and a spiritual level. And you don't have to manage your sin. You can walk free from your sin. You don't have to walk as a dry alcoholic. You can be free. You don't have to work as a dry sinner. Just constantly having to manage and by will, willpower and, and programs and thought processes. And they're all, there's nothing wrong with those things because actually God uses our speech and God uses renewing our mind and God uses wise techniques. Do you know what I mean? Get rid of the pack of cigarettes you've got because that helps you not smoke. Oh, that's just a good technique. And God, God's like, yeah, that's, that's sort of wisdom. I'm for that. But I'll go one step lower than anything self-help program you've got. I will deal with the heart. I will renew your mind. I will do it from the inside out. I will put my spirit in you to equip and enable you to walk through this. And then I will empower you not just to get out of that, but to live a righteous life. To live a way that you can walk in the gifts and anointings of the Holy Spirit. So you can walk with words of knowledge and wisdom. That you can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You can love people that you just thought is impossible to love. Because I'm doing something on the inside. Why? Because he's real. That's why he's awesome. Because he's actually real. He's a real God who does real things. And he is very, very real. I want to... Ask um, Mark if you'd come up and share a story. Um, he shared this yesterday when um, Leaders Breakfast, um, just to a small group that we were talking about something. He went through a challenge, but something got, and it was, I, I was thinking about this. God did something real in him that went beyond him this week. So, Mark, um, we've got the microphone. Because we're not sharing this one, because otherwise I've got to get it. <laughs> Um, yeah, you can't see here, can you? I think I'm looking at everybody. <laughs> um, yeah, this week I've been spending a lot of time in prayer um, because we've been called the last two weeks to pray. And this week in particular, um, at the start of the week, I was feeling really depressed and frustrated with myself because there was a lot of things going on and I wasn't understanding why I was getting so angry and worked up at things, in situations, at people. And uh, I asked God if he could open my eyes so that I can see the world through his filter, see people through his filter, look at situations through his eyes. And the next day, something happened and suddenly I was looking at things in a completely different light. I was seeing people the way God was seeing people and I was responding the way Jesus would have responded. Um, this love started welling up in my heart towards them. And I felt compassion and love. And I didn't know where it came from because that wasn't me. That was God. That was Jesus. Uh, it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Um, I've been living in the word and abiding in his word. And, you know, you look at your son or your daughter and you see a reflection of yourself that's what God wants us to do, to be a mirror image of him. And that was starting to happen. And I just felt this 
consuming fire in my heart for people. And that definitely isn't normally me. <laughs> Thank you. Hallelujah. That, yeah, give me, give me. That's the real Jesus working in Mark. And it's also a picture of what God wants to happen. Um, people out in the world need the real Jesus. So what do we do? Do we pray, Jesus, come back to earth and walk amongst us again? That would be one way. Let's have him back on earth so people can see him like they did 2,000 years ago. Or at least, Jesus, can you appear to them uh, maybe a, uh, maybe um, you know a, a vision, appear to them and show yourself to them. And I know you've done that. You know people have, have seen Jesus, but he's like, oh, I've got a better way. This is my way of showing people the real Jesus. He says, I want you to be captured by me, and for me to work really in your life, and then I want you to become the hands and the mouth and the actions of Jesus to those around you so they can see the real Jesus through you. They can see. That's, that's his plan. That's always been his, his plan was to, to take what he's done. And he said, because that's why I had to leave, he said. He said, because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask the Father, send the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit can then come into you. The same Spirit that was working on me when Jesus was on the earth, he did not work under his um, power and authority that he had as the Son of God. In, um, let's read this to you so that I'm not just presuming on your understanding here. Philippians chapter 2, it says, Jesus... He exist, though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with, with God as a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. And then being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself even more, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." In other words, Jesus left all his majesty and glory and power and his natural ability and he became a man with all the limitations and the restrictions of a man so that when he was on earth, he, let the, he had to have the Holy Spirit come and empower him so that he was not living. I, I remember hearing a, um, a Christian musician um, talk many years ago about Jesus walking on the water. They said, how could Jesus walk on the water? He said, well, Jesus made gravity. He can tell it to stop whenever he wants. And everyone, yeah, and I said, that's not true. He left that power in heaven. He might have created gravity, but he had no control over gravity when he was on earth. He did not have that power. He was reliant totally on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had to stop gravity for him. He, he wasn't doing it himself. He, it says just throughout the, the, the Gospels, you hear him totally all the time. Whatever I see the Father doing, that's what I do. Whatever I hear the Father saying, that's what I say. He is just totally dependent on, on what the Holy Spirit was doing. That because he said, now, when 
I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and you are all going to get the same resource. You're effectively going to be able to do that. That's why Jesus said in, in John chapter 14, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works. He's going to do great. It's going to be better than what I could do. How could we be better than Jesus? Well, he said he's going to take the work of the Spirit and just spread it out. So our aim is to not just be filled with the awesomeness of Jesus and the reality of the real Jesus who is really, has really lived and has really died and has really risen from the dead and has really worked in my life and has really worked in my, my circumstances, has really shown himself strong in different areas of my life. I am to allow that to come in. So then I go to others and I can show them what Jesus is really like. Amen. And you say, oh, that's got, you know, if, if, if I was advising God, and I have done that from time to time, but it never works out particularly well. Remember Peter, when Jesus said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to, you know, die and then be raised from the dead. And Peter takes Jesus aside and says, may it never be. And Jesus said, oh, thanks, Peter. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> Just sometimes I talk without thinking. Now, what did he say to Peter? Get thee behind me, Satan. Wow, that's, that's, that's the rebuke of rebukes from Jesus. Um, I won't go into why it was needed, but it was that rebuke. If I took Jesus aside and said, Jesus, this plan's got a lot of flaws in it. You know, this plan of putting the Spirit in me and then me becoming Jesus. I know me. I'm concerned there'll be a lot, there'll be a bit of a mixture. There'll be a bit of you coming in, but there'll be a lot of me. I'm concerned I'm going to be, you know, a bit like the, the Mark earlier in the week, just angry with people and upset and annoyed and not able to handle and not doing things right. And I don't think it's a very good plan, Jesus. It's too dangerous. Things can go wrong. What if I say to people, hey, I'm Jesus? And they go, no, you're not. I put the glasses on. You know, the type of, no, you're not. You're not Jesus. Because you, you fell here and you don't do very well there and you're a bit of an idiot there and all the rest. How can you be Jesus? Um, and so Jesus has designed a way for us to do this as us and still for him to be able to minister and work through that so people receive that. I know it's worked because I've had people minister Jesus to me and yet they're still people. I've had people share something with me and I say, Jesus, that came from me through them. I've had love and support given to me that I didn't deserve and I've been able to recognize that was supernatural. It was not just their love, but it was the love that God had worked into them had come to me. I've heard people tell me things, and I realized that was not just them. That was God using them. I've been able to work out that everything Christine says is not God. <laughs> Some of you haven't worked that out yet. <laughs> But, you know, the person you live with, the person you see there, 
you're the closest one to see their imperfections. I'm picking the person who I'm closest to, who I see the imperfections. But I, you know what? She's still Jesus. And, able to, and I'm able to receive that. Because you can work out. You can filter out. You know that not everything that they say is God. And Jesus said, if you just be me, you can, that, I'll sort that out. But it's actually the most powerful way for them to get the revelation and see Jesus because they're seeing how Jesus is real because he's become real to you. And that's the best testimony of his reality. Because I'm not just telling them about someone up there. I'm telling them about someone that's done this for me. And I can minister them and talk to them and just bring the love of Jesus. Jesus does not just want to us to say, you're awesome, you are so real. He wants us to say, you, I want you to know and experience my reality and then I want you to take real help and real me to those around you. That's how it works. So just, just think about the awesomeness that he is true. His words are true. Like I said, if you have any concerns and you think, oh, questions, well, let's get Cam's book. I've got a box of them here. I'm not, you know... If you can, they're $10. If you can't afford $10, David will pay for you. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. no we, we'll give you one. Um, it's worth a lot more than that, you know, to get that in your hands and for you to be able to have that revelation. I'm serious. If, it's, if you've got questions and you're struggling, then there are real answers. There are real because Jesus is able to handle the scrutiny. You can push hard against him and he withstands every check and balance and test. He's real. And more than that, that he is real, he really is everything he said he is. He is the Son of God. He is the one who came to earth. He really did come to earth for the reason he said. He came to die for us. He came in order to actually go to the cross. He had a, this purpose that he saw. He was to come to become our sacrifice. He really did rise from the dead. He trusted in the Father. It says he fell into death with no safety net, just purely trusting that his Father would raise him up. And he did. He said, God is totally trustworthy. He raised me from the dead. It proved that the sacrifice I made had been accepted. It proved that the sacrifice I made did work. He's really, really on the throne now. Why don't you stand with me? Cam, can we just sing a song? And let, let's let make this song our response to him. Hallelujah.
Maybe you're watching this online, maybe you're sitting here, and you're hearing what I'm saying, and it's like, I'm not sure I know God like you know Him. I'm not sure I have Jesus working in me. I'm not sure I have that forgiveness and talking about. I'm not sure I have the confidence that you have, that if I died today, that I would know what happens next and where I go and what happens. I'm not sure I'm ready for eternity. Well, you can know, and you can be ready, and you can also know the real Jesus. But you need to make a choice to receive Him, to trust in Him, and to become a follower of Him. So if you would like to make that transition where you now say, you know I'm actually signing up. Do I have all the answers? No, but I know enough. I'm just going to put my trust in Jesus. And I am going to now see myself as a follower of Jesus. And I'm going to see Jesus actually work in me and become a brand new person. So as I pray, this might be your, you know, you might have prayed this many, many times over the years or, you know, well, this might be your first time. I want you to join with me and just pray and open up your heart and let Jesus become real to you. Father, I thank you. Um, okay, I'll, I'll pray. You echo back so that you, you I, I can, I'll pray for my heart and then you can pray. I'll pray as if this was my first time, all right? And then you can pray that. Jesus, I see that you are real. I, I acknowledge that you are real. I bow my knee before you and say, you are God. You did come to die for me. You came to give me your spirit and change me from the inside out so that I could become your representative. take your love to those around me I open my heart to you now I receive your forgiveness I receive your cleansing and I receive eternal life thank you amen hallelujah hallelujah let's praise God for anyone who's said that for the first time hallelujah Anyone who said that for the first time, I will give you a copy of this book. Hallelujah. Just contact us. If you're online, send us a message. Just let me know. Just say, hey, um, can you get me that book that you talked about? I will get it to you. There's, you can contact us. There's instructions there. Hallelujah. If you're here in the building, come and see me afterwards, and I will give you this book. And um, gladly, I would love to do it. Cam, lead us in this song as we, we go from here. And let's take the real Jesus with us.